come back, and uh, I think they'll allow for some flexibility in that regard uh, in the in the in the early terms. If it becomes aggressive, of course they'll 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 react. But at this stage, I think they'll allow it to to bubble. Toby, thanks very much. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the upcoming festivals as well there. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Societe Generale India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's have a final look at the markets for this week. Uh, down in Australia, the SX200 is pretty well flat. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan, not moving an awful lot either. It's up about 0.1% at the moment. Same for the Cosby in South Korea. Uh, the Hang Seng looks like it's going to open more or less flat as well, if futures markets are to be believed. In the quantities markets, gold at $1,904 an ounce. Quent crude oil slipping a little bit here in Asia at $42.43 a barrel. There's no Money Talk on Monday as markets are closed here in Hong Kong for the Chung Yung Festival. Money Talk will return after the long weekend on Tuesday. I'll be away next week. So Richard Harris and Andrew Work will be in the chair. Back chat's coming up in just a moment with Danny Gittings and Anna Fenton. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast. Strong north to northeasterly winds, occasional gales on high ground. Uh, the strong wind signal number three is in force, as is the red fire danger warning. It's going to be mainly cloudy, dry with sunny intervals during the day. Maximum temperature of about 27 degrees. And the outlook is it's going to be windy over the weekend and mainly fine and dry early next week. Temperature right now is 22 degrees and it's 57% relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half. Pierre Tremblay has the half hour news. The U.S. investment bank Goldman Sachs says it's demanding that current and former employees pay back more than 170 million U.S. dollars in salaries and bonuses after they failed to spot problems in its dealings with Malaysia's sovereign wealth fund. The news comes after Hong Kong's market watchdog yesterday hit the bank's Asia unit with a penalty of 2.7 billion Hong Kong dollars over the 1MDB affair. It's by far the biggest fine ever for a bank in Hong Kong. Overnight, Goldman was fined nearly three billion U.S. dollars in the U.S. for its role in underwriting three bond sales for 1MDB. Speaking at a news conference in Washington, D.C., the U.S. Justice Department's acting assistant attorney general, Brian Rabbit, said that the fine imposed on Goldman Sachs was unprecedented. Today's resolution involves the largest monetary penalty ever paid to the United States in connection with a corporate criminal foreign bribery resolution. It includes criminal charges against the bank, and a guilty plea by its Malaysian subsidiary. It also requires Goldman to disgorge the entirety of its $600 million profit, pay a $2.3 billion penalty, and admit wrongdoing. U.S. security agencies say Russian hackers have targeted the networks of dozens of government departments in the United States in recent days and stolen data from at least two servers. Excuse me. The warning comes less than two weeks before the U.S. presidential election, sparking fears of interference with the vote. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security said Russian-sponsored hackers targeted the U.S. state and local government departments and aviation networks. President Trump and Joe Biden will shortly hold their final presidential debate with 12 days to go until polling day in the United States. In order to avoid the constant interruption of the previous presidential debate, each candidate will have his microphone cut at the beginning of each segment before resuming an open debate. The BBC's John Sopel has more. 
We can expect slightly different rules, but we are going to have two men who've got a huge amount at stake in this particular debate, arguably much more important for Donald Trump than for Joe Biden. If you want to put it in soccer terms, Donald Trump needs to score a big win and Joe Biden can settle for a nil-nil draw, given the state of the polls, which suggests that he is ahead in the battleground states. But I think that whether it will be a calmer, more low-key affair than when it was in Cleveland three weeks ago, I think is arguable, although there are some of Donald Trump's aides who are desperate that he should tone it down a bit and turn up the likability. Newspaper editors in India have condemned the government for sealing the Srinagar office of the prominent English-language daily The Kashmir Times. The Editors Guild of India said it considered the action damaging for all free media in Jammu and Kashmir. Next news at nine. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your co-host this morning is Anna Fenton. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, everybody. On today's Back Chat, as Hong Kong takes its first small step towards resuming tourism, we'll be asking if the government decision to allow local tour groups of up to 30 people from today is enough to save Hong Kong's travel industry from collapse. The local tour groups will be subject to all kinds of restrictions, with tour guides required to take mandatory COVID-19 tests and all participants required to wear identifying labels at all times. So would you consider signing up for a local tour under these rules? Would it feel strange to travel around Hong Kong with a guide? And what kind of local tours are most likely to be successful? Email us with your thoughts. Our email address is backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. <laughs> you can leave a message on our Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio free, or give us a call, 233 88266. That's 233-88266. Our guest this morning here in the studio in Broadcasting House, we have with us Brian Kin, Associate Dean and Professor at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at Hong Kong Polytechnic University, and Paul Zimmerman, District Councillor at Southern District. We mm-hmm. hope to be joined shortly also by Tommy Chung, a Yunlong District Councillor. Uh, before we get to today's show, let's... Mm-hmm. Um, Bring in a few comments that are coming off in from listeners about yesterday's show, yesterday's show on um, the uh, Cafe Pacific uh, sackings and also more broadly on the issue of unemployment in, in Hong Kong and where, uh, how people can retrain uh, to find new jobs. A number of listeners commenting not just on Cafe but about um, uh, other listeners and indeed my co-host yesterday. Uh, first of all, uh, Hugh says, cutting uh, cafe down to size is in keeping with Beijing's drive to eliminate all vestiges of colonialism and replace them with a politically correct company. Leaves me more concerned about aviation safety. On the issue of uh, retraining, or uh, Jay Angry calls it re-educate, re-educate, get more skills, spend a fortune out of your personal expenses, and then you're told you're too old for the job that is not there. Uh, uh, Robert talking about the redundancies and asking whether or not uh, Cafe Pacific um, invoked uh, the mandatory MPF offset for those who lost their jobs. Of course, that's been an issue of controversy for many years in in Hong Kong and allows employers to essentially reduce uh, redundancy payments. Uh, uh, Robert, uh, my understanding here from press reports was that Cafe did not invoke that provision. Um, uh, Robert's saying it would be certainly interesting to see Cafe's position on this. I'd be hopeful that they've not chosen to take this step, even though it would incur significantly extra cost to the company and it deserves to be made public if they've decided um, what they decided to do. If they took the easy way out and used employers' contribution to employees' MPF to offset long service payment, that would be a black mark. Can I suggest in these challenging times 
when many people find themselves laid off, that your programme should address this issue again. As from what I know, LegCo has ducked the issue on every occasion it's come up. Perhaps you could invite Jeremy Tam as a former CX employee and also legislators to give their views. This, in my opinion, this legislation is iniquitous and should be removed. Thank you very much, Robert. We have, uh, on Backchat, we have talked about this topic many times before, and I'm sure we will return to it again. Uh, Slim, following up. Now, yesterday we had a number of uh, uh, letters, uh, or emails, rather, from Backchat listeners who were basically saying the sacked cafe employees got their just desserts and that, um, uh, that nobody should have any sympathy for them. Uh, and uh, that um, one of our guests yesterday saying actually quite a few comments around like that on social media in Hong Kong. Slim responding to, to, to those e- uh, emails, sorry, Greg, says, it's become increasingly clear that the United Front and the likes of Dargong Bao hacks are working overtime, writing their invective to your programme. They're not representative of your listeners or the population of Hong Kong. He refers to one particular listener whose email I read out yesterday. He said, that listener who kicked off this toxicity typifies the communist tropes that are unseemly but minority feature of Hong Kong in 2020. <clears throat> and everyone's getting, well, no criticism of me yet, but almost everyone's getting criticism as far as yesterday's show is concerned. Uh, my co-host yesterday was uh, Nixie Lam. And Nixie Lam comes into cri- for criticism from uh, Bowen. Bowen says, Nixie Lam is a DAB member and a former district councillor, and her political background shines through her questioning of guests and comments on Backchat. I'm not necessarily against having people of known political backgrounds acting as co-hosts of current affairs talk shows. To be fair, and to be seen to be fair in such a setup, you need to adopt the format that was used in shows like CNN's former show Crossfire, as hosted, for example, by um, Mike Kingsley from the left and Pat Buchanan for the right. The problem with backchat in a setup with Nixie as a co-host is there's no co-host on the other side to achieve a balance. As a matter of fact, the other co-hosts of the show all tend to have a conservative background, though there used to be in the past the occasional shows with people like Albert Lai and Audrey Yu acting as co-hosts. Radio Freeze management should seriously consider reviving that practice to achieve balance for the show in these turbulent days. Thank you very much, Bowen. I'm not quite sure about two co-hosts on Backchat, though. I can see uh, from political balance, but uh, uh, logistically it might be a, a little difficult to uh, put, it, put it mildly. Well, I'm sorry he thinks everybody's <laughs> conservative. <laughs> <laughs> Do you fall in that category, Anna? Not really. And let's, we let's should find out. We should, as Hugh has uh, pointed out many times, we should remind, of course, that uh, co-hosts uh, perform <clears throat> a different role, and co-hosts are encouraged to express their own views. Uh, co-hosts are not expected necessarily to be neutral. Okay, uh, moving on to the uh, topic of um, today's show. As um, I said in the introduction, uh, today is the first day of the uh, relaxation of the rules uh, to allow local tour groups. They're still subject to stringent restrictions if you read through them, uh, but... For the first time, uh, some form of uh, talks are actually uh, permitted in Hong Kong. Of course, nobody can come into Hong Kong to take part, so they have to be local tour groups. And we have both Brian King from Hong Kong Polytechnic University and Paul Zimmerman, the District Council of the Southern District, uh, to discuss this. Um, Brian King, let's go to you first. Um, can local tourism save a travel industry? That's what we're talking about here. Well, it won't save all businesses, so businesses will continue to disappear because of the very difficult uh, trading conditions but obviously initiatives like this one may save some so so it's not an either or but look the the staycation initiative has I guess offered some help to the hotels and the accommodation side and this new initiative reaches out to travel agents tour operators so it's better than nothing 
It's interesting <clears> you mentioned staycations because I mean the hotels never relied on a local market before, mm. and then you're forced by circumstances to reinvent yourself. And to mm. some extent, and at least some hotels were doing quite successfully on that. So I mean, are we? Look, it's not, of course, not just Hong Kong. Are we looking mm. in a different age where? Um, uh, so businesses have to re businesses who are used to sort of maybe profitable overseas business mm. have to reinvent themselves and yeah i think that's a good point i mean obviously with the scale of mainland visitation into hong kong a lot of the accommodation sector came to depend very heavily on uh, mainland tour groups so they probably that that was somewhat easy business and winning the hearts and minds of local people is a whole different proposition so it, it's forced them to look to within the community, which is a good thing. You know, it, it engages businesses more with the local people. I guess locals have always used restaurants and uh, and bars and so on in, in local entities. Yeah, but they don't but go on tours, do they? I that's mean, true. It's, for those of us living in Hong Kong, it's very difficult. To, maybe we go and see the dolphins and things <clears> like that, but very difficult to imagine us still signing up to go on a bus tour around Hong Kong. Well, indeed. So Hong Kong people are quite used to going on tours overseas with Hong Thai or the, the other big brands, I guess, and, and uh, very busy schedules, uh, whether it's Japan, Taiwan, uh, Europe. Uh, but the idea of traveling around Hong Kong with a tour guide, with some you know, guided structure, is pretty new for most locals. So it's, it's a big adjustment, just as the staycations was a, a big adjustment. Paul Zimmerman, your, your uh, district councillor in Southern District, which used to be absolutely flooded with uh, mainland tour groups, didn't it? Yeah, and, and the scouts of, uh, of tour buses. So the last thing that I like to see in the Southern District is the tour buses coming back. So, so you're, actually, I, I, you're quite happy, aren't you? Well, you? I'm, you know, I, I think this, this whole idea of putting people in a tour bus seems to be anti uh, any uh, sensible COVID measure. Stick people in a uh, in a metal tube in, and and sit together. Well, the rules are pretty strict. I mean, looking at the rules, I mean, the the tour bus can't be at more than half the capacity, and everyone has to wear face masks and the labels and so on. Yeah, so that probably and might help, and I'm not sure whether that's going to contribute to the experience. But the uh, as far as I can see, is that the uh, you're be kind of monitoring um, the hotel rates around Ocean Park as as part of. Uh, I work in the Southern District to look at the revival. Uh, Merritt Hotel is at a minimum 200 US right now. Uh, the Overlaw Hotel, which is close by, is at a minimum 100 US and goes up to 200 US a night. So, uh, I think people, I, I was on. on uh, they might be doing deals, but this is this is the lowest rates you can find on the internet right now. So, as, as I just checked in this morning, the um, uh, I was on Monday. I was at Ocean Park and we walked around. Ocean Park was flooded with people doing local tours, as in the families were out. Mm -hmm. Grandpa, mum is out with the kids. Sorry, they're, hang they're on. Are you, you categorizing a family visit as a local tour then? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that is, and that is the kind of local tourism that we really want. We don't want tour buses clogging the roads, causing congestion, having the uh, the bus drivers putting their lunch boxes out in the street. I mean, it doesn't seem to be good business for Hong Kong. The business that, we, and we, I mean, in the Central District, we have we have a really we don't like tour buses. We we have a real problem with these buses clogging our road, causing road danger, uh, contaminating our road, putting their lunch boxes outside, putting their pee bottles outside on the street. I mean, we have a real they're problem with that. Bottles. Yeah, they pee in their water bottles and they leave them on the side where they park and have their lunch. So it's a real nuisance to have people coming around with buses. What we love is people coming around and using the MTR. We love these people coming around and, and enjoying Aberdeen, enjoying Uplay Chow Town. We like people coming back to Ocean Park and and making their own schedules. 
last thing we need in this town is tour buses. Uh, they are a real scout of this earth. And so uh, we are very happy to see that the room rates are up in the, uh, in the Sunrun District. We're very happy that people are coming back, that people are enjoying the, uh, the Sunrun District and enjoying the mountains, enjoying, and, and uh, we just, the only thing we're waiting for is the beaches to open up. Yes, well, well, well that, that brings us to a kind of crazy point, doesn't it? Back to your buses. Now, we, I live on Lantau, put my hand up to that. We are now inundated with the local buses, the number 11 from, from Dayo to Dongchung, which is so full now with standing packs, not just sitting packs. So to your tube full of people, the regular buses are now crammed so that in the afternoon, locals cannot get on the bus. So we're now reaching the point now where the local facilities are completely crazy and then they get to us and there's no beaches because they're closed. So this is all sort of just crazy. They're flooding Tayo, which is, you know, a bottleneck, same as you have on the south side. There just doesn't seem to be capacity for this. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that you talk about the issue of how, how responsive is our public transport network to, to changes in demand, and there are changes in demand over the weekend that they need to respond to, and government has to monitor that and, and but this promote is in the that. Week. In the afternoon, yes, I, I, I mean, and that's town. that's that's most likely the case because um, in the normal circumstances there is very little demand. So the whole kind of scheduling of buses, the number of bus drivers when they park the bus, when the guys go for lunch, is all based on previous pre-COVID situation. They're not used to the current situation, and they're very slow to adjust to it. And so you see uh, bus management being very traditional, very slow moving. You see transport department very slow moving to respond. Uh, we had that with Shaco, uh, where people go hiking on Dragon's Back and, uh, and they go to Shaco and go to Big Wave <coughs> Bay and have problems to get back in the afternoon. And, it, and we really had to put pressure on the bus companies to ramp up their schedules and their frequency to make sure that people can get out in, in the late afternoon when they have finished their hikes or their, their lunches. So it's, it's, it's a responsiveness of, of, of that system. But that doesn't, I don't think we're going to solve that by then offering tour services. Because then who's the tour service for? Uh, is that for the more vulnerable group that we actually shouldn't even put in a bus? <laughs> this is like, is those are the elderly that are not cared for by their families that cannot go out as a family group. I think from, from, for the society as a whole, I think what is currently happening on the ground and these families going out and people going out as friends and, and starting to explore the city, I think this is what we need to encourage and, uh, and we should stay, keep the buses away. Okay, we're discussing um, tour, the resumption of local tourism in Hong Kong. Today's the uh, first day that uh, local tour groups of up to 30 are allowed, although under very stringent restrictions. Uh, you just heard uh, Paul Zimmerman, uh, District Councillor, Southern District. If you have any comments on this topic, do email us at backchat.rthk.hk. Backchat on RTHK on HK. Or you can leave a comment on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. And we're now also joined by Tommy Chung. Tommy Chung is a district councillor in Yun Long. Uh, Yun Long, if we're talking about Hong Kong heritage, of course, Yun Long has Walled Village, uh, Ping Shan uh, Heritage Trail has been uh, very popular in the past. Uh, Tommy Chung, good morning. Good morning. Are you worried now that tour groups are allowed, that um, huge numbers of people are going to be flooding into these areas around Yun Long? I think um, more local um, tourism um, activities is good for the um, local economy in Yunnong. But um, uh, I, I'm not worried about that because um, actually you can see the uh, the, the local trip, trip um, the cost is quite high and I don't think so many people would join that kind of um, local trip. And 
uh, you can see um, the people join this vacation mm. package in the local hotels, and it reflects that there is still some um, consuming power inside the uh, local people. So that um, actually the government have, has to uh, find out more supporting measures and methods to help the people and help the shops in different districts, uh, including Yunnan. Because actually, um, like the seafood restaurant in Lofo Shan, and also the, uh, some of the uh, shops in Yunnan town center, they are depending on the tourist um, uh, business. So that's uh, actually, I, I think the government has to think more because the local trip, they have um, their uh, price very high. And I, I think um, the government has, has to find out um, the reason why. And I, I think both of them just want to um, get the sponsor from the government, but not thinking about um, having a long-term or, or mid-term um, measures to help the local tourism or help the uh, help, help the local economy in, in uh, different districts because uh, actually I don't think they have they have spent more on how the local um, business reflects and how they respond. So Tommy, what do you think local tourists would like to do? You know, imagine you live here, where would you like to go that you haven't already been? Um, actually, I, I think uh, they may want to find out more um, points that they haven't um, gone before. And like, um, they, they may want to join some historical heritage trip. But um, like, like the theme that um, the local trips provided, but Actually, I think the, the main problem is that um, the local trips, um, the price is too high, and also, um, and I, I don't think it has a very um, attractive, um, attractive theme or attractive trips uh, details. Give me an idea, Tommy, to of the price. Give me an idea of what they're charging. Um, I, I so far I couldn't see. Uh, like uh, I have uh, visited the the, um, the website of the um, of the uh, tourist council, and I I don't see they have um, trips in Yunnan. And so far, um, although uh, if if we can see that um, actually the district councillors has also organised some trips for the people to join, um, they will go to Rofo Shan to visit the. Um, seafood restaurants or uh, they, they would go to the um, novel shop to buy something uh, but I, I think that is a very um, basic levels but, but you say they're too expensive to, but how much are they um, actually just only a hundred something dollars uh, that's a reference to the district trip. council trips mm. yes yeah but but you can see um, the local trips uh, now they cost nearly thousand a thousand dollars but I don't see the the details has changed a lot. If you're comparing with those uh, organized by the district councils before. 
So that actually, if you have to hold some heritage ship, you have to ask locals. Like, um, um, if you go to Pengshan to visit um, the uh, lo- local sport, or you go to Nanshanwei or Kamtin, uh, I think there's a lot of place you can go. But um, seems like people couldn't take out some um, really attractive points to let the people go. Or um, um, I think I think the, the government has to find out more measures to help people tourism to in, increase the attractiveness of the local trips. But if you can see the price is very high, and and actually. I don't think it is really attractive for to, uh, for people to join. Mm. Hey, Tommy, maybe, uh, maybe the, the vacation package is more attractive mm. for the for the uh, young people. So, Tommy, the, the, as far as I can see, is that uh, a lot of people are going to Yunlong, and that there's a, the, I mean, there's many more people visiting Yunlong and going in Namsanwai. Uh, I mean, the, 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 when I go there on the weekends, I can see there's a, a large increase in visitors that uh, people have find their own way. Um, is, aren't you happy with that already? Um, I think um, actually, uh, um, it is a it, it has to reflect for a period of time um, that whether the people really want to spend money um, in the local tourism. Because actually, to, um, uh, before the um, COVID-19 um, has spread in, in the community, um, actually the, the uh, economy um, in Yunnong has um, declined a, a bit because of the decline in numbers of the tourists um, from the mainland China and also from from the world. And after the COVID-19, nearly, I think the, the seafood restaurant business in Novo Shan has dropped nearly 75% at least. And I don't think um, the local uh, trip will help a lot, but uh, we, we hope um, at least help a bit to let them to um, recover the cost, like the rental cost or the cost of um, employees. Um, it just only helps them to um, cut loss, but, but not help them to get the regular money to, for them to to, uh, to gain or to, to make profit. I, I don't think they could make profit again unless the uh, spread of COVID-19 in the world has Okay, we're discussing local tourism in Hong Kong. You heard just, just heard Tommy Chung, Yunlong District Councillor, and uh, among other things, he was saying that uh, local tours are too expensive. Our producer Michelle did some research, and this is actually was a discu- uh, topic of discussion in uh, RTHK office yesterday. Um, the food tour by the Hong Kong Tourism Board cost seven hundred and seventy dollars just to eat some dim sum and chung fan in Shamsho uh, Po. So that's some uh, really rather expensive dim sum. Um, um, Brian King, how about this issue of pricing? I mean, our um, <coughs> Local tourists are going to be more, le- they tend to be more price sensitive, surely, because they live in the city. You go somewhere else, you're not so familiar with costs. But mm-hmm. uh, when you actually live in a city, you tend to say, well, $770, I can have that dim sum a lot more cheaply. Right. As, as far as I understand the recent government initiative, though, they're giving $800 
per customer uh, when they buy something through registered outlets, and that will be discounted from these uh, tours. So the the whole idea of the new initiative with Holidays at Home is to to provide some impetus for people to change their behaviours. So I think that scheme is, whether it's successful, we'll see, but it's designed to prompt people to... Uh, to see these as a, a good deal worth going for. So th- that 800 uh, at face value, if there's demand for the tour, if the product's interesting, then people will go for that, I think. Isn't that just a recognition that uh, local tourism can't stand on its own two feet? You have to provide these subsidies because otherwise, yeah, okay, if you're getting the money for free. When I went to Ocean Park, uh, you, I paid $350. They gave me $350 of coupons. Mm. So I'm paying nothing. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, that um, pe- people are, people are not going to be paying the full the full whack. Well, that's true. I, I mean, I think it's trying to nudge people into different behaviours. And let's see. Sometimes when things are free, there's no demand. So th- that's an incentive. And uh, we, we don't know what the fifty tours are yet. That'll be announced over the next few days. So hopefully, that will be an attractive. Uh, range that will appeal to Hong Sorry, Kong. you said 50 tours. You're saying mm. that there should be... But I, as far as I understand, uh, comp- companies can run their own tours, right? There's no specific government list, or is there? Uh, well, it's being handled by the, the fairly recently formed Travel Industry Council of Hong Kong. So this is a kind of new role for them to, to supervise that. And so they'll be announcing the list. So I, I, they're probably still working on it as we, as we speak. Uh, I think the problem really is with these tours in the, tour, in the Travel Industry Council, they'd be probably very geared towards the facilities that have always catered for mainland tourists. So, and, and the local tourists, they're not necessarily interested in the same thing that the mainland tour group organizers are interested in. They're interested mm-hmm. to take them to a restaurant, stick mm-hmm. them there, make sure they spend the money there, take them to a shop, make sure they spend the money there, and then took them away as quick as possible okay. and, and made sure they didn't spend any money anywhere else. So I think that the local tours are looking for a, a people. The okay. local, I'll have to cut you, cut you off there, Paul. We're going to continue the discussion after the news. Stay with us. And if you have any thoughts on local tourism, what tours you'd like to join, do email us, backchat at or go to our Facebook page. Uh, the weather forecast, the winds are becoming stronger. Um, in the typhoon, strong wind number three signal is currently up. It's going to be mainly cloudy, one or two light rain patches. Uh, temperature will be 27 degrees, currently 22 degrees. Stay with us. We'll be back in three minutes. Loud and even that's only just beginning to get off the ground. Uh, the government relaxing the COVID-19 um, uh, restrictions and saying as of today you can have local tour groups of up to 30 people, although they're, they're all still subject to all kinds of restrictions. Our guests in the second half of the show to uh, discuss this topic, uh, we have with us here in our, the studio in Broadcasting House, uh, Brian King from uh, the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at Hong Kong Polytechnic University, and Paul Zimmerman, District Councillor from Southern District. We're also now joined on the phone by Olivia Tang, who's Managing Director of Walk in Hong Kong. If you have any thoughts on this topic, email us at backchat at, uh, at, backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and leave a comment there. A number of very interesting comments coming in uh, related to today's um, uh, topic. Let, let, let me go through some of them now. Um, uh, David says, if you want to revive grassroots businesses, you need to revive grassroots people. Many grassroots people do not go on holiday like you think. They cannot use hotels because the hotels used to treble the price at the weekend. As what, as, um, 
and they used to be sold to China tourists. If you look in many high streets, the shops had all changed from restaurants for local people to pharmacies and gold shops and jewelry shops for Chinese buyers. These shops were probably sold by mainland Chinese. As for the buses, many of them are now full, so something has gone wrong with the logistic um, management, and that's just for local people. Yunlong and Chunmun are a lot cleaner now, and we don't have so many tourists. And probably, which may be a blessing, the crime rate is probably down as well. As a local started to look at Hong Kong and walk in the country and go to the peak, which we haven't done uh, because of too many tourists. It's a pity that Ocean Park and Disney are so expensive for the regular Hong Konger. We can't afford to take the neighbor's kids. Uh, and uh, continuing also, um, uh, David saying, it's a, oh, actually, entitled uh, himself, angry Yunlong resident. It's a pity when people come to Yunlong and the surrounding areas that they don't leave their dogs at home to poop on their own doorsteps. As for the cycle track, this is very popular, pretty good structure. The company ripped up all the trees. Thank you very much for that comment from Yunlong. Um, a number of other comments also are coming in our Facebook page. Uh, Nig says, uh, sadly, Hong Kong has for more than a decade now only focused on tourism from the north. And this means volume and forced shopping, which is simply not consistent with what locals want. If you look at the popularity of the History Museum before it closed for renovation, surely there's an angle for Hong Kong colonial tourism. But would the authorities like that? And then you look at what Singapore has done, such as the Battle Box Museum to educate people about World War II. These are just some of the things Hong Kong never got done. The sites are there on Wong Lai Chung Gap Road, but sadly just a plate with a couple of paragraphs to explain. These are the real history of Hong Kong. Jean says, I would be interested in a foraging tour of the Hong Kong countryside. I'm sure many plants are edible and the knowledge would be great should our supplies ever be cut off. Any ideas who one can contact? No, no, please don't do that. <laughs> and finally, Jan, uh, short and to the point, it just says, I would like to go to the beach. Well, uh, that is a uh, very interesting issue. It's been raised many times by back to listeners why the beaches are still closed, and certainly these tour groups won't be going back to the beaches. But thank you very much to our listeners. If you've got any com comments on this and other topics, please do continue to send those emails and Facebook messages in. Uh, Olivia Tang, good morning. How are you guys? <laughs> Welcome to Back Chat. Um, you. You, 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 you're managing director of Walk in Hong Kong. Now, Walk in Hong Kong runs uh, these uh, uh, guided tours around Hong Kong. But when I look on your website, it says, uh, despite the fact that um, the Hong Kong government is now allowing t local tour groups, you are not resuming them just yet. Tell us why. Correct. Yes. Because while they um, really emphasize that they now allow up to 30 people uh, to go out as a tour group, there are fine texts in their requirements and also a declaration that they require us to sign. Um, there are fine texts in there that make it not possible yet for us to deliver our regular public tours. Um, some of the things, for example, uh, it does require our tour to include coach or transportation, like exactly. maybe hiring a coach, hiring a boat. And then another thing is that uh, the itinerary must go to some of the green sites, uh, which they have a list of things that are included. Um, and also uh, things like that when you deliver the net narrative about the, the tour, you have to do it on the coach. Um, and, and these are things that we are still coping with and figuring out how we can maybe make it work with our existing tours. Probably most of them we can't do, and we have to look for the ones that are allowed under the uh, the new framework. 
So, I mean, do, do you think there are problems with the, the new government initiative then? If you, you run walking tours and they're basically saying you have to use coaches instead. And yeah, boats. Did it? Mm-hmm. Boats. Yeah. How, how are you getting 30 extra people on the ferries without causing mayhem? <laughs> yeah, I, we're, we're not sure. We will have to hire a big boat, but only put half the capacity. So costing is another issue that the, the economics, um, we will have to do the calculation. But yes, so, so what it seems like is that when the government roll out these uh, measures, they have a particular type of tour group in mind which are these big bus tours that we are used to seeing that um, take our mainland guests uh, around the city um, to see a site, to eat, and then go shopping. So it really neglects the, the new but very promising field of walking tours like ours. Um, so we find that a bit unfair, and we hope that through um, the recent media update and chances like uh, here to, to talk to the media and also talk to the public, that we can let the government hear our voice so that we can inc- they can include us in their consideration as well. Now, tell us more about the local tourism market, because, of course, when we talk about this generally, mo- most travel agents are, are finding it very difficult because they, they, their, their main business was for, for overseas visitors, and now they mm. have to adapt to um, local, local, local tourists instead. But for your company, I presume, I mean, I'm sure you had overseas visitors as well, but you, you've presumably always been, uh, you have a s- significant share of um, your market is, is in local, is in people living in Hong Kong anyway. Correct, yeah, because, well, we, besides welcoming visitors to see Hong Kong in a new light. We also want Hong Kong people to embrace um, our history and culture. So we have been work, um, um, developing a lot of local walking tours uh, from topics like uh, about um, our um, <laughs> legal history, uh, our um, history about the plague, um, to the 1967 riot time, uh, or about the LGBT uh, culture of the local community. Uh, these are topics that we we try to bring to as many uh, audience as possible. Olivia, so that they will, Olivia yes. have you thought that Hollywood has a very popular tour of celebrities' homes? Have you thought of having one around uh, the homes of the rich and famous of Hong Kong? <laughs> um, yes, we have thought <laughs> of. We actually have uh, been requested these tours. So what usually will happen is we need to hire a car. Uh, to do that because they're not quite within walking distance and that requires some planning and, and then now um, yeah we, we definitely try to put that into our portfolio as well uh, we not only about the rich and famous movers and shakers of the city but also about the gossip right this, this is what some Hong Kong people all love the gossip isn't about this what Hong Kong people would love yes this is true yeah um, uh, we'll, we'll see how we can exploit the, the famous people's gossips and as a tour product, but, but market it in a more positive way. I'm really confused by these rules because I'm learning here from you, Olivia, that uh, you can brief people in the bus, but you can't brief them in the street. Is that because then we have uh, it's, it conflicts with this uh, with kind of any uh, security concerns about protests and Let's say if you have a gathering in the street of 30 people with somebody talking to them, that it could be uh, misunderstood or, or, uh, and that you can only do it in the bus. But then uh, the bus to me sounds to be a conflict with the COVID rules, you know, yeah. standing there yelling in a microphone uh, into the face of 30 people locked up in a bus seems to be not very COVID uh, proof. So I wonder whether these rules here are 
kind of strange uh, promoting bus companies and coach companies who already have a uh, a kind of a tight hold on the market. I mean, school buses right now, the pricing is out of out of out of out of uh, out of range for for many people. People have a real concern with the uh, with with the pricing. Uh, so is this really like a coach company promotion? But it's, it seems to be a very convoluted ruling here. It, it seems to me, yes, we don't fully understand the logic behind as well. Uh, but it does seem to make sure that um, there will be some of the benefit uh, that will go into the coach company. For example, the tourism board spend to redeem scheme, um, the hiring a coach or transportation is the required uh, element because they will essentially sponsor the tour uh, for the public and and so like some of the vendors will go to the travel agent but some will go to the eateries uh, and also to the coach company I see that side of it that they really want to revive and help these businesses um, but as for the the part where why we have to do the narrative on the coach I think it comes from the traditional way of running the tours is that they do the narrative on the coach when everyone can hear and once you're out there, they are just letting the sheep out to the field and then let them go out and like hang out for like 15 minutes and then back into the coach and then the next spot. And they repeat the cycle because we essentially were, were trained like that and tested like that during our tour guide exam as well. So how do you do it? Do you do one of those earpieces and then you can just uh, everybody that can walk around and still hear you? Yes, we do. Um, so for a small group, uh, six to seven people, then usually our voice with projection can do. But if we have a bigger group, we have wireless receivers, which is a very easily available technology. Uh, and we make sure we do the cleaning of the devices before and after uh, so so we can cater to groups even when we are outdoor and we can talk to them and everyone can hear. And the lovely thing is that they can wander around a little bit. Like I think as long as they're within my sight, they can still hear me through the wireless receiver. And it's cheap, isn't it? That gear, that's a cheap gear. I mean, it's not expensive. No, it's not. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Taobao, <laughs> you can get it pretty 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 cheaply so how many people olivia would you is optimum for you if you're going around trying to cheap dog them all around how many 30 seems a lot yeah 30 is a lot for uh walking tours i think for hong kong cityscape uh, about 12 to 15 people mm. is a comfortable size they yeah. can hear me we can interact and we are not causing too much disturbance to the pedestrians um, and that is something we care a lot about is our relationship with the community. We bring people in, whether they're foreigners or locals, we bring people into the community, like visit the streets, um, but we, we do it in a respectful manner. Because 30 people would flood most restaurants, wouldn't it? That would be a real tricky it, number to handle all of a sudden. Yeah, it is true. So with that size, you're not bringing the business to small restaurants because logistically it's just too much. Like one small restaurant can't do so. Do I split the people into three restaurants? That That's impossible. So end up that if I have a group of that size, it will be these big like mm. uh, uh, restaurants that handle a lot of people. Like it will be a, a set course meal uh, and then it's just production line, pump out people, something like that. It's the mainland model really, isn't it? It is, yeah. More and more we talk about it, the more it seems that this framework is laid out 
to watch this type of tours. But do they work for local Hong Kong people? I'm not sure yet. Olivia Tang, so you're, you're not, you, you say that the, the rules on the new tours are very difficult for your company. So, but anyway, regardless, the fact is you're, 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 you're not resuming tours. And I know you have a few virtual private tours, but your company must be like a, 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 most of the other travel business with almost no income now, essentially, for six months. How, how do you survive? We are actually fortunate uh, enough that because of some of our tourism branch, but we also have the local cultural promotion uh, side, and through that we have projects with. Okay, I'm sorry. I think we're losing you. Our university. Can you hear me? Yeah, we we we're losing you. It's better now. Please continue. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, we, we have our cultural promotion, we have uh, business through local companies and schools, universities, etc. Uh, and those have been able to keep us uh, going for a, a while. And recently, we have created a new product, which is a virtual tour, a virtual real-time interactive tour that now our guests can be coming from overseas all around the world. Uh, we'll show them real-time what Hong Kong Street, uh, which we, we focus on Central Graham Street Market, and show them like this extent uh, owner is selling his eggs and, and putting the egg against the light bulb, and we can show it in front of the camera to the audience who are sitting at their home on their couch. Okay, uh, let's pick up that topic with Brian King. I mean, how, 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 how much future is there in virtual tour? I mean, I, I know we try and do everything online <laughs> in Zoom these days, but um, is virtual tourism ever going to be a real market? Well, there's augmented reality as as well as you know virtual reality. So, your your school of hotel and tourism management. Are, are you teaching uh, or, or augmented reality or virtual tourism to your students? Sure, we're do we are now doing yes. uh, artificial intelligence, and, that, and that's and quite how, a. How long has that been part of? Um, is it something relatively recent, or something you've been looking for? Yeah, it's it, the, really the research is just the last mm, four to five years, and then it's coming through to curriculum now. Is so, that part of the future of tourism. Sure. Well, I, I think one of the contributions of tourism and hospitality is to understand the human-machine interface. So we talk about the passion for hospitality, but uh, what about the the machine component? If we're looking for minimum touch when you go into a hotel, then you have to really deploy the technology well, and we have to capture That's people's imagination as well. Slightly different. I mean, I can understand sure. using the technology in yep. the hotels and so on, but what um, our guest was talking yep. about just now was actually running virtual tours. People were just watching them from... Uh, from behind a oh, camera. Armchair traveller. Yes, I mean, that kind of virtual yep. tourism as opposed to just using... So what I'm describing is the different levels. So I know that, say, in Old Town Central, we've already had the augmented reality where people go around and they see what was originally there. So it's, it's stimulating extra. But there's also the bit where people stay at home and they imagine and the technology then is uh, armchair-style <laughs> tourism. And... You know, events worldwide um, are now becoming more hybrid. So some people will attend uh, on the spot and then others will join in virtually. So I think the one challenge for all of us is to imagine how we do this well for our communities. You know, maybe there won't be all the coaches. People will be able to experience uh, that type of thing from a distance. And especially for the most precious sites, which you just cannot have concentrations of tourists that's uh, the most extreme example where you really don't want people trampling and they have to imagine it. So, so you raise a very interesting idea of sort of mixed mode tourism. So, are you mm. saying that? I mean, actually, 
where, where I work in education, we do that now. I was teaching a class last night. Some of the students are online. Some of them are in front of the, me in the classroom. It could be the same sort of thing for tourism, right? So, well, I was on a session you. yesterday with my hometown in Edinburgh, which was about festivals, and they were talking about the Fringe Festival and the Book Festival and how they operated this year. And most of them were 90% uh, virtual. And they reached out to a global audience, but they still have very strong participation from the, the local community in different ways. But they're being forced to rethink the whole business model. And as for the, those of us in tourism, we're, we're having to do really a major rethink. And I know Paul here is very committed to the community. That's a, a very critical part as well. If, if we can use technology and imagination and so on to, to manage that relationship between locals and non-locals better, then... Um, you know, let's all work together to do that. Uh, Olivia Tang, when you run these virtual tours, can you, can you charge an economic amount? I mean, often the problem with um, running things online is you have to charge much much cheaper rates. But is there a viable business in um, online tours? So for the overseas tourists, we are still um, having to convince them. So we charge a very affordable rate, which is 120 Hong Kong dollar per person for one hour of virtual tour to basically um, introduce them to this new product. For the local groups, we have had the luck of or, or the, and the fortune of the existing relationships with many local universities and, and NGOs. So they already know um, that our experience is of the very good quality. So they are willing to sign up for tours uh, with us. And, and that is something that their budget originally for organizing a community event uh, that goes to. So uh, for the local private book groups, we are uh, we are making breaking even. We are making money. Um, for the overseas tourism expansion, we are still in the early days. So we're investing in it to attract you, more tourists. Your basic message is there could be a viable business model there, even though... We think so, because of the last four tours that we have done, which are the online... Uh, public tours geared to what overseas guests, they were amazed at the experience. They, one, they stayed through the hour, they were really engaged, they kept chatting with us, like to play with our, play, play, play our little game. Uh, but also at the end, they, they, in their sharing, they say, this is a surprisingly pleasant experience and they didn't feel like one hour has passed. Um, oh. So... Yeah. Another way that we can look at is uh, the currently the runners who uh, used to race and take and start a run at the same time. Uh, they're now runners that do the run, but they do it at their own time. But they run against each other because they're running on a, they, they're tracking themselves on the app, mm -hmm. and yeah. so then you can see what your time is compared mm -hmm. to somebody else who may have started an hour earlier, but you're still doing the race so, um, like, using the app. Yeah. So, and, and in that way, I mean, for tour, for tourists, do we have also better better guides that people can start to do the tour of a of a particular part of the city at their own time using walking Hong Kong apps? Do you have support like that? An app? Yeah, no, we do not. No, so you, so you, 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 you rely uh, on a person to be there and and guide the tour. You're not using uh, computers or apps or other devices to to help. But those aided tours, you know, that there is there is a real uh, I think the, opportunity the, the for for this city. Yeah, absolutely, the way of the future. Better okay. maps. Let me bring in some more comments from listeners. Um, uh, um, Olivia Tang, you've obviously got a fan among at least one of our listeners, says your tours for history sound very good. I think the government should put school groups on it as they would learn a lot better as we don't have enough time in the curriculum to learn all these things. Uh, Neil says, 
One Hong Kong tourist attraction which is sadly underdeveloped are the World War II battlements. Yes. Pillboxes, anti-aircraft batteries have been allowed to crumble or be overgrown. These would make and do make fascinating tours. With support from the government, they could be excellent. There are many World War II tunnels dug in Hong Kong which were used as air raid shelters, underground barracks and stores, etc. These are held in private ha- those held in private hands show what is possible. Again, these areas would make, also make good, great local tours. Hmm. Presently, a, there are a few very knowledgeable tour guides in this area. However, slowly nature is taking over and soon these areas will be gone forever. Now is the time for the government to look into these battlements and tunnels and preserve them for the future, as well as making excellent local tours. On our Facebook page, Nick uh, says, uh, Nick, uh, in reference earlier to Paul Zimmerman's comments about um, problems uh, that he experienced in Southern District with tour groups before, Nick says, can't agree with uh, Paul. Uh, Apologies, Nick, if I've mischaracterised you. I think you mean here can't agree more with Paul, but please do tell me if I'm wrong. Um, especially regarding the uh, coaches and pee bottles choking up Beach Road and plenty of us voters complained to our local district council, but nothing was done about it. The police must start doing something and they do nothing altogether. Paul Zimmerman, that refers to problems you were talking about earlier, doesn't it? No, no, no I mean, the tour, the tour buses are a problem and the behaviour, do you, you don't want them back in this town. And I, I love this walking Hong Kong conversation. And I think these, the, the comments have been put on before the break, you know, the kind of people, the, the proposals that people make. I mean, that's, that's the direction we, have, we should go and that's the direction we should really look into. Okay, and let me bring in another comment uh, from Matthew. Matthew saying on Lama Island, probably the most popular tourist attraction for locals and non-locals is the walking trail from Yungshuan to Sokuwan. Yep. We all know that very well. I've done it many times myself, especially at this time of year. Problem is that with the beaches and associated LCSD toilets and changing rooms closed, there isn't a single public toilet between the start and end of this one and a half hour walk. As a result, with no other options available, tourists are taken to... Um, uh, using a drain behind the LCSD public toilets on Hongshunye Beach along a path used by local residents. Multiple requests have been made to LCSD to open up the toilets or find another solution, but so far no luck. Hate to see what's going, going to happen when local tours start using... Hate to see what's going to happen when local tours start using this route for seafood-eating trips to Sokuwan. <laughs> there, are, there are already interesting tours. Uh, uh, the Graves... Uh, I have tours with my residents in Poflam going up and down the graves with uh, with a professor that kind of showed a, you know, who's he's been buried there. It's really the history of Hong Kong. Sounds maybe um, uh, not awkward for some people, but there are so many interesting things you can do. Now in, in Lama, you can you can walk up the mountain on South Lama. You don't have to do the beaten track that everybody does. You can go up the mountain in South Lama. Beautiful rock formations, stunning, fantastic hike opportunities. So I think there's a real opportunity in terms of local tourism to kind of rethink the things that you can do in this town and promote it. There are so many opportunities to uh, to go out and do something different than just Dragon's Back and and walk from one fishing village to the main town of Lama. Can I just, Paul, chime in there? Um, where I live on Lantau, we're now inundated with people coming to ravage the clams on Shoihao Beach, which is now devastated because there are these local... Uh, tourism sites that promote certain things and since they promoted clamming we now get busloads of them and there isn't a clam left and what they do is they come along and they put clams live in little holes Mm. on the beach 
is they put salt in the hole to get the clam to come out. So this is now causing environmental damage. There isn't a clam left. Uh, and uh, and now if we take it a bit further over to Dio, there's a village outside Dio where they've already, the local villagers are so fed up with the tourists coming and taking all the wampe fruit off the trees and tramping through the village that they've ba uh, barricaded off the, the actual trail. And we now have a kind of a standoff thing going on. So is there any way that the government is going to control the sustainability aspect of the, the there was a green thing I think in the new tours that the green thing needs to be contained well I, I think Brian King will be an expert on in the issue of quota uh, where you work through transport modes and the traffic transport capacity to kind of control the number of people that can can reach to a site mm -hmm. uh, but the other aspect is education on this one I mean you just when you become aware of that you got to educate and government got to be responsive to it is AFSTD responsive enough is anybody in government the tourism commission sensitive enough to speak up on it uh, you know that's where we can have some significant improvement okay just Brian King very briefly to close off well I think now is a good time for uh, capacity control as, as Paul said you know with fewer tourists in town we should be sorting these things out and we've got local demand so yes I hope all the authorities uh, are getting together now including the tourism commission to to address these various issues can I just say please do not pose for selfies with buffaloes okay uh, we'll, we'll come to uh, <laughs> but you can situation on that in a moment because we've, we've had actually a message from the Lantel bus company um, in response to your earlier comments but uh, first of all let's say thank you very much to our guests um, you in discussion uh, here in the studio since the beginning has been Brian King from the uh, School of Hotel and Tourism Management at Hong Kong Polytechnic U University and Paul Zimmerman, District Councillor, uh, Southern District. Also joining us on the phone, Olivia Tang, the Managing Director of Walk in Hong Kong. On the uh, Lantel Bus Company, my co-host Anna complaining earlier about uh, the, uh, uh, the Lantel Bus Company not putting um, on enough buses at weekends. We no, have no, a... in the afternoons. Well, OK, you can take it up further because the Operations Director of uh, the uh, new Lantau Bus Company has uh, uh, sent in a message in response to that saying we are committed to matching supply and demand, continue to add resources as necessary, and will be keen to engage directly with anyone who is interested in this well, issue. Well, make sure you so get the phone number to Anna. Anna right? So <laughs> the power of back chat. Um, <laughs> uh, finally, just a couple more uh, comments from listeners. Uh, Boeing responding earlier. Boeing uh, suggesting that we should have two co-hosts on back chat. I suggested that would be logistically uh, difficult. Uh, Boeing responding saying that uh, the point about it being logistically difficult to have two co-hosts on Backchat is well taken. Uh, however, what he meant to say was in a setup like Backchat on yesterday, you need to have a co-host uh, like Albert Lai or Audrey, Audrey Yu on the other side uh, to, um, to balance uh, Nixie Lab. And so, in fact, maybe I should be replaced to bring in a co-host with a prominent political background. <laughs> uh, right, so I, I knew that was going to come around to me sooner later. Uh, my point about the other co-host did not include Anna Fenton, by the way, uh, who is on the co-host today. I made the point Anna should uh, co-host uh, Backchat more often. So there you uh, are. Oh, here you go. Okay, and last of all, Andrew says, uh, can we have another shutdown and a day off this week, or, or, or please? The number Free is already up. Well, Andrew, you're running out of time because it's Friday. I don't think we're Monday's see... holiday. Yeah, we're not going to see a number eight over the over the uh, least for today, mm. if at all. Yes. As uh, Andrew has pointed out, the uh, strong wind signal number three is up. Uh, the forecast is that it is uh, it's going to become. Uh, uh, rougher in terms of wind, so one or two light rain patches um, 
at night, uh, windy over the weekend, but mainly fine and dry early next weekend. Early next week, sorry. Uh, the, the temperature currently 23 degrees. We'll be rising to 27 degrees. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, we're off on Monday. He will be back on Tuesday. Like most parents, you may wish your child every success in life. But every child has a unique character, strengths, and abilities. And we should let them express their individuality. Comparing your child with others will only put undue pressure on them. Help your child reach their full potential so that they can grow up happily. Raise your child with love, not excessive competition. The news with Pierre. President Trump and Joe Biden are holding their final presidential debate with 12 days to, till polling day in the United States. The debate in Nashville is the final and potentially most influential of the election campaign. President Trump trails Mr. Biden in most national polls. The U.S. investment bank Goldman Sachs says it's demanding that current and former employees pay back more than 170 million U.S. dollars in salaries and bonuses after they fail to spot problems in its dealings with Malaysia's sovereign wealth fund. The news comes after Hong Kong's market watchdog hit the bank's Asia unit with a penalty of 2.7 billion Hong Kong dollars over the one MDM, MDB affair. And U.S. security agencies say Russian hackers have targeted the network, uh, networks of dozens of government departments in the United States in recent days and stolen data from at least two servers. More news at 10. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet, and retiring doggy council, co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for cats. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decide for what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Yeah, and welcome to Friday. Morning, crew. Back again for more with me, Phil Whelan. Love Friday. Chef Neil Tomes is with us after 10 again today to talk food, eh, and kleptomania. No idea what's on his menu yet, but of course, as always, if you want to ask any foodie questions, we'll be on Facebook Live after 11. This week's Sports and All with Danny Hicks. After 12, we're off to the movies with Marshy. Today, it's the trial of the Chicago 7, Rebecca. A remake, another. The Doorman and the War with Grandpa. All the guys are going to be on Facebook Live this morning, just for a bit of fun, so join us there if you can. Yeah. 